This is Owen Cotter with SciFiction.com. Joined with me on the show is Spencer F. Lee, who's a writer and director. How are you doing today, Mr. Spencer? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. And you've got a, a really cool documentary film called From the Bridge. Before we start talking about that, can you go a little bit over your background and history and film and all that? Sure. You know, um, I started developing as an artist at just, you know, painting and drawing when I was a few years old, and I had a knack for it. Um, and I was in my family. Everyone really encouraged me to continue to uh, to create, draw, paint. And then when I was about 10 or 11, I began writing and uh, short stories, and I wrote for years. And then in college, I took advanced fictional writing, creative writing, photography classes. You know, I studied uh, a lot of art and stuff and just kind of honed my skills. But I always continued writing, and uh, I had a love for cinema, you know, uh, mm. for science fiction, science fantasy, horror, comic books. I loved all that kind of stuff. So I wrote a script that was optioned off uh, right when I was uh, in college, and that afforded me the opportunity to travel uh, overseas as well as to New York and Los Angeles, and I just began learning about film, you know, um, mm. began making contacts and uh, just, you know, getting an education about how the film industry works. <laughs> One of the things that I definitely learned is that it's always changing. You know, you, you might think that you know how it works uh, now, but, you know, in six months it will be a different model and something else will be going on. It's always evolving right. and changing into something. But, uh, so, yeah, so college, you know, I, I, I honed my skills through study and through, uh, you know, through that. And then, you know, I had uh, my third script I wrote, uh, Lionsgate uh, offered me a deal for it. And Toby Hooper, uh, you know, Toby the great horror director who did Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre as well as other films, you know, he was executive producer on the film. The film was not made. Uh, but once more, you know, it, it was just me continuing to learn about the film industry and how things work and uh, how movies are made and just, you know, continuing my education. And eventually, uh, you know, as, as I continued to work on other television things and, and films and stuff, uh, From the Bridge came about. You know, um, I had met Kerry O'Quinn a few years ago through a mutual friend of ours, and Kerry and me... Um, really hit it off. You know, we we both had a lot of the same love when it came to horror and science fiction and science mm -hmm. fantasy. Uh, and, you know, Carrie, over the years of our friendship, you know, he would tell me stories about his friendships with Arthur C. Clarke and uh, Gene Roddenberry and uh, George Lucas and uh, oh, wow. Leonard, Leonard Nimoy and, of course, Michelle Nichols and all kinds of George Decay, you know, Mark Hamill, you know, all kinds right. of really amazing people, you know, right. and as our friendship developed and, and, you know, and he shared more and more stories with me, I said to myself, you know what, uh, this is a documentary that needs to be made, you know, the story about how all these artists, you know, why they did what they did, how they did it, and, of course, the love of the fans that fell in love with these artists' work, you know, right. and, and how it went from being uh, not taken seriously and made fun of to today, it's the number one form of entertainment in the world. It's the biggest thing in the world, entertainment-wise. You right. know, so, and it was just, as I, as I you know, I, I came from, uh, I grew up as a kid, you know, in the late 70s and 80s. <clears throat> so I remember what it's like to read comic books and then, you know, have, and I had some, none of my friends ever gave me too much crap about reading comic books. You know, they, they might rib me or something, but generally, you know, uh, they were reading them, at my, reading them at my house, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I did see, you know, I, I knew what the what the 
country felt about people that like Star Trek and comic books. You know, they weren't taken seriously. They were called geeks and nerds. They were put right. down. And I, I've seen such a sea change, you know, from that until today what it is, being the biggest totally. of entertainment in the world. It's just a complete sea change. So, uh, you know, so you know, I have Carrie telling me these stories. You know, Carrie O'Quinn, uh, he created Starlog Magazine and Fangoria Magazine and published Cinemagic as well as lots and lots of titles. And Carrie's important to the history of the evolution of fandom uh, because in the early 70s, uh, when there was no voice for science fiction, you know, there was no, there was no internet, and there was no magazines for it. Carrie created him and his partner Norman Jacobs created Starlog magazine, you know, and and all of a sudden uh, they gave they they took it they took the fans serious they took the genre serious and the fans serious, and finally you know, in the early 70s the fans had a magazine, and of course Star Wars came out in the mid 70s. And that pretty much, once once Star Wars came out, it was all a whole new world. You know, it 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 just you know it it Star Wars brought back Star Trek. You right. Know, Paramount Paramount went to the revolts and said, hey, you know, don't this this space movie is doing great. You know, it's the biggest movie ever in history. You know, don't right. we have a don't we have a space movie somewhere around here? You know, and they and they, <laughs> they they pulled out Star Trek and they went back right. and made the the first Star Trek movie at that point, which was a moderate success. And of course, the second Star Trek movie, The Wrath of Khan, kicked that into super high right. gear. So you know, so yes, the Star Wars basically uh, carries magazines were gave a, a voice and took them serious to the fans. And then a couple of years later, Star Wars came out, and at that point, uh, you know, then then him and Norman created Fangoria magazine. You know, because mm. they had been putting horror in Starlog. And right, right. basically, they, they needed to branch it off. You know, it needed to be its own thing. So all of a sudden, they had Fangoria. You know, so and then Cinemagic. You know, Cinemagic, so what, what right. Carrie did uh, with his magazines is brought a community together. You know, he he gave them a voice. Hmm. Uh, he gave them. He encouraged them with his uh, his article. His he had a monthly column in his magazine Starlog called From the Bridge, and that's where he reached hmm. out and encouraged young filmmakers and young artists to go after their dreams and to and to hone their skills and to learn and to become successful. You know, Carrie uh and so and some of these great artists that Carrie uh reached out to and had a, a, an impact on their careers was uh Robert Rodriguez, uh Brian Singer, JJ Abrams, Guillermo del Toro. You know, these these are some uh, wow. cinematic geniuses, you know, with the right, works right. and stuff they've done. And and they've all paid homage to Carrie and told Carrie, you know, Guillermo told Carrie uh, that if it wasn't for, uh, you know, Carrie's magazines, that a lot of the, a lot of the, the, a lot of the scene today wouldn't be what it is. You know, he, he helped, you know, teach teach people um, the filmmaking skills, you know, that they got to go behind the scenes and see how these things were made and how these movies were made. Right. And it's, it's a really, really wonderful thing Carrie did you know, so this movie from the bridge, uh, it's is hosted and narrated by George Takei on screen, and it features uh, new interviews that I did with mm-hmm. Stan Lee, uh, Gene Simmons, um, Carrie O'Quinn, uh, Adam Nimoy, Nichelle Nichols, um, Neil Adams, uh, Rod Roddenberry, or Rothman, who uh, you know just the the very people right. who made all this happen they created it they they embodied it you know they championed it you know right. uh and, and so we so we all you know um i brought them together in the film to tell their stories 
you know, you've got Doug Jones in there, I believe, as well. From yes, absolutely. Um, I, I love Doug to death. He he he's such a cool character. You know, he's he's like one of these like uh, a lot of people. Um, I've met a lot of people um, yeah. that are super friendly, cool, and Doug is just definitely one of those. You know, making this movie. Yeah. You know, uh, his body language and the way he moves his hands and his facial expressions and all of that. He knows how to he knows how to make people feel welcome and. He knows right. how to. He's a very happy man, and he knows how to spread his happiness to other people, which is a gift. You know, it's a God. It's a God-given gift to him. You know, and right. he uses that gift to uh, to make people happy. And, and I, I really, I really like Doug a lot. I have a lot of respect for Doug. Right, right. And your buddy, uh, who I believe is in Star Wars, his name's Greg. Uh, he he's in the film as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, also Adam Nemoy. You mentioned him. Well, being, uh, yeah. Well, Greg. Greg Grumberg, Greg Grumberg, right. uh, so you're who you're referring to, and Greg's actually not in from the bridge uh, yet. Uh, oh wow! But uh, I like to throw the word "yet" in there. Um, <laughs> I'm not. That doesn't really mean anything more than um, I'd love for Greg to be in it. It's really what that mm-hmm. means. But Greg did moderate. Uh, I opened up Comic Con this past right. summer, and Greg was the moderator for the panel that I hosted at Comic Con. And on the panel, uh, I had Nichelle Nichols. I had uh, X-Men writer, producer, uh, Tom DeSanto, and Tom also, uh, you know, his latest movie that's out was Bumblebee. You know, Tom right. created the live-action Transformers franchise. He's the executive producer of that, and he created it, as well as he had a, a strong hand in bringing about the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. You know, Tom... Oh, Tom, wow. Yeah, I mean, Tom is, is very, very smart. You know, he's very has a very uh, great perception, you know, very, very spot-on. Right. And also uh Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry, he was on my panel. You know, and, and Rod is is picking up where his father uh right. went with Star Trek and he's a really wonderful humanitarian. And he's also care- an executive producer on the new one, I believe, right? Yeah, he uh yeah, um yeah, he's he um I'm not sure exactly uh I, I, I believe so. I can't. I he's can't involved with in it. it. Yeah, he, I, I'm pretty sure he's an executive producer, but I'm, right. I'm not. I can't attest to that 100. percent I just think that I, my instinct says he is. You know, I'm pretty sure he is, but I right. can't. I can't completely. And you've got a lot of it. other people that were in the uh, on stage as well. You're you're going like Carrie O'Quinn, of course, of Starlog, yeah. and several other people, I believe. Yeah, you know, uh, Douglas Tate was on my panel. Uh, Doug is a uh, character actor. You know, much like mm-hmm. Doug Jones. You know, right. Doug. As a matter of fact, uh, which is kind of—I mean, it was—you know—when I interviewed, I've interviewed Doug Douglas Tate mm-hmm. twice for From the Bridge, and the second interview I did with Douglas um, is when I brought Doug Jones in as well. You know, so right. I, I was going to interview them both together at the same time, but I changed my mind and decided to just interview them separately. But I had them there with me at the same time, and I really enjoyed cutting up with those guys. And they're—they're they're both so—they're both masters of what they do. And oh, what's cool sure. about it is that you know Doug Jones played uh, I think it's Abe Sapien and Abe Sapien, Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah, yeah. Yep. And Doug, my you know Douglas Tate is playing a role in the new in the new Hellboy reboot. You know he plays one of one really. Of the, yep, he plays in that. And Douglas oh, wow. Tate also, um, gosh man, he's uh, he's done so many things. You know uh, he's been in Grimm. You know he uh, right. he he played Jason Voorhees in some of the right. scenes. It was like Jason the Freddy versus Freddy. Jason. He was the Voorhees or whatever. Yeah, he he played Jason in in that movie some and and really I feel like these couple of things I've mentioned Doug has done is kind of doing him dis disservice because he's done mm-hmm. so many things. It's like you, literally you can go on IMDb and put Douglas Tate in 
and right. he is a complete rock star. You know, you would be like, right. wow, he was that he was that monster, he was that creature. You know, it's like he's right. like he's him and Doug Jones both. You know, they, yeah, they oh, had yeah, this, Doug. Yeah. yeah, they Doug had Jones this, as well. It's Doug and Doug. Yeah, so Doug <laughs> Jones. You know, of course, uh, for, for anyone who might not be completely aware of who Doug Jones is, uh, mm-hmm. Doug uh, played in, in the recent Shape of Water. You know, right. he was the Amazon god. You know, the the fish man in the Shape Silver of Water. Silver Surfer. Uh, yes, he played the Silver Surfer. Yeah. He also, in McDonald's, for all, all of you McDonald's fans, which I, I love McDonald's, <laughs> I have to admit to it, he played the man in the moon, you know, the guy with the moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was Doug Jones. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And also, m- one of my top favorite movies of all time, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. You know, oh, wow. Yeah, he played all, he played the fawn in Pan's Labyrinth, but he also played... And, you know, I don't know all the names of the creatures that Guillermo and Doug Jones created for Pan's Labyrinth, but he right. plays almost all of them, you know, wow. and, and it's just, he, he just, he's just, it's crazy how he can do I that. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yes. He's just, he's just him and Doug, Doug Jones and Douglas Tate. Those two wow. guys are like modern day Bela Lugosi's, you know, they, they, they can, they can put on a costume and makeup and they can make anything come to right. life in the most unique, coolest way. I love both those guys. They're super talented. Right. And you talked about, you know, when you were a kid reading comic books, and they've got Gene Simmons in the teaser trailer talks about when he read comic books, you know, being made fun of and all that. You've got fandom is very inclusive now, encompasses so many areas, and it brings people together as a as a whole in a group. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on you know, the positive aspects about that for individuals kind of, you know, being an outlet to express themselves, whether it be sci-fi, costuming, and all that. I think that anything that brings people together in love and admiration is a good thing. Right. And, you know, uh, I've traveled to uh, several Comic-Cons, uh, Comic-Cons mm-hmm. and comic conventions, and that's something that, uh, that's something that I really enjoy seeing is that all these people in costumes just having a really good time, you know, celebrating right. their love for these characters. And the thing about the characters that they're celebrating is that you know, these are heroes. You know, these, these right. are people, these, these are modern-day myths, you know, who, who right. when we, when we uh, aspire to be uh, the best that we can be in humanity, mm-hmm. you know, we look to heroes. We look to people who have, have, who have had self-sacrifice. You know, we look to right. the real heroes. And, um, you know, I, I would think our heroes uh, today would be our military, of course, and our police officers and our first responders because they're actually putting their lives in the line out there every day in the real world, saving us and keeping law and order and peace and just, you know, doing what they can to contribute to society. Mm-hmm. And but these heroes for comic books and uh, science fiction and stuff, you know, they, they teach us about self-sacrifice. They teach us about not giving up you know, good triumphing evil, you know, and, and that's what cosplayers and that's what the fans are celebrating a lot of is that the stories of these people, they're celebrating Peter Parker, you know, with great responsibility, I'm sorry, great power comes great responsibility. Right. You know, they're celebrating Superman, you know, he sees the best in humanity and he, and he believes in humanity. He's here to help humanity and he never gives up on anyone. You know, if someone's a bad person, uh, you know, he, does, he doesn't give up. He tries his best to bring them back to being a good person, you know. So you, you have all these these uh, great heroes that install wonderful qualities, you right. know, and, and that's what the fans are fans of, the, the, the heroes and, and what they do, you know, what they can achieve, and, and they see the best in it.
Right. Well, I have, a, I have a follow-up question to that. I mean, you've got the past of, of sci-fi, pop culture, you know, comics and superheroes. What do you see for the future of the genre? And, uh, you know, you've got the, it's kind of evolved into the mainstream, uh, you know, the thing that rules the world is what Gene Simmons said in the documentary. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, the, of the, uh, the, the genre as a whole, and what do you see for it progressing forward? You know, um, it's pretty overwhelming to me, um, <laughs> right. to, to, to say the least. And what probably is making it even more overwhelming for me right now is that, you know, I, I am in the middle of uh, finishing up from the bridge and editing it right. and living and breathing uh, all of this. You know, so, you know, it was right. just, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. But it's very overwhelming, you know. Um, I'm You've got excited. Stan Lee in the film as well. Oh, you, oh yeah. You over a little bit to mention that. Yeah, you know, and Stan, I had a great interview with Stan. You know, we talked a lot about why he created the characters that he created and what his right. inspirations were, what he was trying to achieve. You know, we talked about his early years, how, how he made it all work. You know, and, uh, you know, we when we lost Stan a couple months ago, you know, we lost uh, an icon of the 20th century and one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. You know, um, his, his Stan's creations uh, will live on for a long, long time, <laughs> hundreds of years, for sure. know, if not longer. You know, he basically... Uh, I think of like mythology like Zeus and I think of like Thor and Odin and all, all the different right. religions and mythologies. And basically that's what Stan did. You know, Stan and of course not just Stan, but a lot of other great talented writers. Jack Kirby, Marvel, you know, yep, yeah, yeah. Neil Adams, you know, right. all those guys, you know, together, you know, they, they gave us the 20th century mythology, you know, modern mythology for the 20th century. It comes from comic books. You know, right. So, uh, so yeah. So, so Stan, you know, it was a great loss. You know, I, I will say this: uh, he lived a very long, productive life and achieved things that that almost no one can achieve. Right. You know, so he, he's he's terribly missed. And you know, uh, but we have his creations, and we have great artists today that are still writing and playing the roles. You know, we have people playing his characters. We have people still writing his characters. Comic books are still right. coming out. So his legacy lives on, you know, inspiring people. It lives on. It's awesome. And I just have a question. Like, you got this film from the bridge. It goes over, you know, it's like a, what you say, a warp speed ride to the evolution and history of fandom. What is the message of your film? Like, you know, what kind of message are you trying to deliver with the presentation? Like, when people watch it, what would you like the viewer to take from it? I, I, what I would like the viewer to take for, from it, and I'm sure as an artist, when you create a piece of art, um, you, you know what that piece of art means to you as the creator. Right. But it, you really can't, I mean, you, you can fool yourself into believing that you can control it, but the honest to God truth is is that you can't control how people react to your art. You right. know, um, and I would just take a painting, for example, you know, a Monet painting, for, you know, we'll just say that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, different people will go to a museum and look at a, Mon- a lily pad Monet painting, and what it might, what they might see into it, or the emotions it might, you know, bring up in one person might not be the same in somebody else. Right. So, I, so to answer your question, what from the bridge is to me, it's a couple of things. And first and foremost, it, it's bringing people together. It's mm-hmm. celebrating all of our different uniquenesses. Uh, it's celebrating our strengths. It's uh, acknowledging our weaknesses. You know, it's a celebration of humanity, uh, and and that our story is not over with yet as a people of, of you know, mankind and humanity. 
and I have great aspirations for where we will go as a people, and that's what From the Bridge is. It's, a, it's people looking towards the future, you know, celebrating love for one another and love for the earth, and, and, and that's what it's about, you know, and that's what I hope people take from it. You know, I hope that people take a very positive message from it, you know, that they understand that it, it is about self-sacrifice and it is about loving one another, uh, celebrating our strengths, understanding our weaknesses together as a people. You know, right. and that's really, that's the impact that I hope, you know, that From the Bridge has on people is that they watch the film and maybe they'll spend a few minutes thinking about their lives and the lives of everyone else and thinking about what can they do to maybe make the world a little better place, you know, for, right. for them, their friends, their family, for their fellow neighbors. And that's what it's about, love. It's about love, compassion, peace, and bringing people together. It's a great answer. I love it. I love it. Thank you. And, you, and you've got a lot of clips in the film, especially some footage from, I believe, that Carrie O'Quinn from like the 70s from the first Star Wars celebration and a few other things like Leonard Nimoy. Can you go over a little bit about what that is, George Lucas Star Wars and all that? Sure. You know, Kerry, um, you know, as, as I said, you know, he created Starlog and Fangoria. And right. as uh, he interviewed George Lucas, uh, the biggest uh, – Kerry to date still has the largest interview ever conducted with George Lucas. Oh, wow. And they became good friends. And uh, one of Kerry's best friends is Howard Rothman. And Howard was uh, the president – one of the presidents of Lucasfilm for many, many years. You know, uh, I interviewed Howard for From the Bridge, and, uh, you know, Howard told me that when he came on board working for Lucasfilm, you know, uh, the first Star Wars movie had come out already, and they were getting ready to do Empire Strikes Back, and uh, George Lucas had this brilliant idea. You know, he, he kept, he had genius idea to keep the merchandising rights for uh, Star Wars to himself, not the studio. Right. So he brought Howard Rothman on board. Howard was an attorney, a genius attorney, and he brought Howard on board to help him with the business side of Star Wars and Lucasfilm, mm -hmm. you know, merchandising, uh, books, movies, you know. So Howard went to work for George, and Howard told me that uh, a lot of his friends and colleagues that were well-to-do attorneys we're all like, what? They're like, why? Why are you going to work for Lucasfilm? You know, yeah, true. Star Wars was a huge hit, but right. everyone knows that the second movie bombs on sequels and it doesn't do as well. And you're you're throwing away, you know, you're jeopardizing your career to go work for George Lucas for Lucasfilm. And Howard believed in George George's vision, and right. Howard went with George, and together between George Lucas and Howard Rothman, they built Star Wars. You know, uh, totally. business, story-wise, those two guys had a partnership uh, together with Lucasfilm. That Unlike anything in your galaxy. <laughs> exactly. So how, yeah. Howard, you know, he, he's maybe, I don't, I'm not really sure how, how, uh, how many people know about Howard or know much about him, but he's definitely a core backbone to Star Wars, you know, and, and the, you know, of course I'm talking about the original trilogy as well as the prequels and right. Howard recently retired from Lucasfilm last summer and, and mm -hmm. I interviewed Howard at his home in San Francisco uh, a couple of months before he retired and Howard talked a lot about uh, working with George Lucas and he talked a lot about, you know, since, since he was preparing to retire from Lucasfilm, 
uh, he went ahead and gave me a really great interview. You know, he talked a lot about why George did George Lucas did certain things that he did with the stories and the characters, and why he handed things off to Disney, and what he was thinking. And yeah, he he gave a really great uh, introspection to uh, all of that. You know, and uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much of it we will have in From the Bridge. Obviously the best of it will be there for sure. Right. But it was a really amazing interview, and, and I really I won a lot of respect for Howard and for what he did with Star Wars and for George Lucas to make all that what it is. Right. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, but I'm sorry to answer your question. Is it, yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah. Carrie, the <laughs> yeah the, so Kerry O'Quinn, uh, because of his friendship with Lucas and Howard he uh, and Kathleen Kennedy, he uh, mm-hmm. put together uh, – the first ever Star Wars celebration. It was on the tenth year, the tenth anniversary of Star Wars, the original movie, and he put it together. And uh, he brought George out on stage, and he had Anthony Daniels is, is, was in the C three PO out right. uh, um, android outfit. I'm not sure what to call it. Costume. <laughs> I hate calling it a costume. It seems like it's so much more than a costume. I feel it's like calling it a costume is not doing well. But yeah, and uh, I had the chance to meet Anthony. He's he's really. He's a really wonderful, interesting man. So, um, so he brought, uh, he had all these characters down on stage to celebrate the 10th anniversary, and he's he had a surprise for George. Uh, he didn't let anyone know, well, maybe a couple of people, but he brought Gene Roddenberry out on stage. Oh, and wow. at that time, George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry had never met before. Right. And of course, Gene, you know, he's got his Star Trek universe he created, and Lucas has his Star Wars universe he created. So Carrie brought Gene out on stage, and they shook hands, and they praised one another, and the, and the, and the fans and the audience went in totally insane. Probably and so. <laughs> there just happened to be, of course, this is uh, in the mid-'80s, right. and today, obviously, we have a million, zillion cameras everywhere, whether it's iPhones or whether it's um, you know, DLS, DLSRs. You know, we have cameras at the, at the end, you know. So, uh, but back then, it wasn't quite like that. But they just happened to have one fan had one of the old school hand handheld uh, video recorders with the VHS tape in it. So they recorded it. You know, oh, what? Wow. Choppy. Yeah, it's it's choppy and it's bouncy. But you know, it, that was the one and only time that George Lucas met uh, in Roddenberry. That was it. That one time, right. just right there. So that and that's going to be in the film. Is, is it going to be edited or touched up or? It, I, you know, I have played around with touching it up, but uh, I haven't completely decided on how much restoration I'm going to give to it. You know, because right. um, it's a piece of history. You know, yeah, exactly. Legendary piece of history. And and the thing, and the reason why I say I haven't decided how much yet is because mm. I have so much footage in the movie that's vintage, and so right. much footage that's been created specifically for the movie. So I have stuff uh, from each end of the spectrum, super mm. choppy, grainy, to modern day amazing. You know, mm. so uh, <clears throat> as the director of the film, you know, obviously one of my uh, big jobs is to take my vision and to marry all this stuff together in right. a way that amplifies and tells, that assists in telling the story. You know, with the B-roll mm. and the images. So I'm kind of juggling what to do with the Star Wars footage. Because um, what I think of is like, you know, the JFKs or Pruder tape, you know, and how it's kind of grainy, you know. Right. And obviously, right. I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, to compare right. JFK's assassination tape to George Lucas and Rodbury meeting. Obviously, they're right. both great uh, moments in history right. uh, for, uh, for our country. 
But um, but yeah, but it's 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 a lot like that. You know, maybe right. not as pretty. I don't think it's as pretty as this Pruder tape. This Pruder tape's got a lot of color in it. This is more right. flat. You know, so right. I'm I'm playing with it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find the best way to present it uh, to right. make everyone happy. You know, I want people to see it and to be able to you know to have to to live in that moment of history like they did there. So yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. I'm still playing with it. But so, something cool. I hope. I hope something cool comes out of it. I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll pull it off. <laughs> well, it's gonna be in the film for sure, of course. I was, it's absolutely gonna be in the film. Awesome. I'm just uh, saying a lot of words about how it's gonna be in the film. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, wrapping up, uh, do you have any uh, website links or any uh, things you'd like to give out for people to find out about the film and sure. kind of keep up to date with like the new trailer and all the new footage and yes, all? Yes, um, from thebridgemovie.com. That's our website. Uh, we're getting ready to, in mid-January, uh, add a lot more information to it. Some more, okay. uh, some more video footage will be to it. I have another trailer. Uh, right now, the teaser trailer is out, but I have full-length trailer, and uh, I'm thinking it's going to be ready sometime around mid-February. So you okay. know, so I would definitely say if if you're interested in checking the movie out and following it, I would say go to uh, fromthebridgemovie.com, as well as we have a Facebook page from the bridge, and uh, you can uh, if you'd like to follow us there as well and. Uh, I know that we've uh, we put some stuff out so far on the website and the Facebook page, right. but it's it's now getting ready to kick into high gear. You know, it hasn't right. it hasn't really kicked into high gear yet, but it's about to in mid January. There's going to be all kinds of uh, interesting things. I think the fans are going to enjoy will be coming out. Very very cool. Well, Spencer, man, it was a pleasure talking with you. Having you on the show, I can look forward to seeing the film. You have a good night, man. Well, thank you so much for having me. You have a good night too. Thank you. No problem. All right, bye bye.